Hello and welcome to 120 Outdoors, where the conservation-minded outdoors men and women explore all things hunting and fishing in the lands and waters that make it all happen. Join Chris DePaula and me, Don Klaus, as we discuss the outdoor world in our 120. But wherever you are, we think you just may find this fits your 120 too. Hi, folks, and welcome to 120 Outdoors, and this is episode 42. How about that, Don? 42 shows. That's a good number, Chris. Yeah, it is a good number. <laughs> and we got a great show planned for you today. Uh, this is kind of an, an interesting uh, topic, and I'll, I'll kind of tease you a little bit. Um, it has a lot to do with deer hunting, and we, we just completed our deer season, archery season, the early archery season. We still have a late uh, gun season yet and muzzleloader here in Ohio and, of course, late season bow. Um, but we have a, a guest on here, a unique guest, um, that is specializes in deer tracking with a dog. Yeah, that's a, something I didn't even know existed, Chris. Yeah. I mean, dogs, everybody knows dogs play a big role in, in many sporting areas. You know, yeah. duck hunters, pheasant hunters, uh, rabbit hunters, coon hunters. Uh, but deer tracking is something I, that's that's new to me. I didn't know it existed. Yeah, and let me clarify this. We're not talking about deer hunting with a dog. We're talking about deer recovery with a dog. And that's what this guy does. His name is Dave Bell from uh, Bell Deer Recovery Service. He's in Southwest Ohio. Uh, so I don't want to mislead anybody. We're not talking about hunting deer with a dog because we know that's illegal. Well, we're not yeah, going Yeah, there. we're not doing that. <laughs> But um, that's what this is about. And, and I had a unique situation that happened to me this fall. Unfortunately, I didn't find the deer. Um, and I think the doe made it. Um, I had it on trail camera the next day. But it was, it was a tough um, afternoon for me. I, I know I talked to you for several back and forth over several hours about my finding a deer trail or a blood trail, then losing it, then finding it again. And your hopes get, you know. Hopes get up and then they fall down again because you lost the trail. And make a long story short, I tracked that deer for almost six hours. And um, the last part of it, I see that see her up and running across back onto the property we were hunting, which was good news. And then here she appeared on the trail cam the next day. So, but it's it's heartbreaking. You do all that practicing and and all that work all year, and I just didn't make a good shot. Apparently, um, thank God the deer still it made it, uh, but it happens. Uh, it happens to all of us at one time or another. Yeah, it's just not an exact science. No. You know, things happen. Uh, twigs exist. Yep. Uh, animals move. Uh, a shot can be errant. Uh, Human error, in my case. Yeah. I, I didn't realize how far the deer was, and I shot low, I think, on that one. So, Well, whatever happened, it does happen. And unfortunately, it happens to, uh, to, to more than just you, Chris. And uh, it's it's something to know that, that you can get help you know there's yeah. a specialist specialists out there who who can assist in that yeah and uh and, uh, and that's what we're going to talk about yeah uh, I, I think our i think our listeners will really enjoy this this episode it's it has a lot to do with the, 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 his dog uh his dog's name is wren and i won't get into the breed i'll let him tell you all about that in the interview but it's pretty cool um success rate is unbelievable and i won't get into that with you because it's it's astonishing it really is yeah uh, You'll get to hear yeah. it. But. And the deer he has found is just it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah, but we've got so, a great guest. Yes. We actually have two guests, but uh, one's yeah. going to speak for the other. So. That's right. The other one can't speak, just barks. Yeah. 
So do you want to get to Dave then? Let's get to Dave. Okay. Once again, it's Dave Bell from Bell Deer Tracking Recovery Service. Our next guest on today's show is Dave Bell from Bell Deer Tracking Service. Dave, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris and Donna, for having me on. Oh, absolutely. Welcome, Dave. We're glad to have you. We're super interested to hear about your whole story, so let's get started with the start. Um, how'd you get started? And, you know, tell us about how long you've been doing this. Okay. Uh, I've been doing this for 15 years. Uh, I got started. My brother shot a monster buck uh, a little over 15 years ago, and we didn't recover it. It was a liver shot deer. Nice, real nice buck. We were both hunting the same deer. And I just start Googling and researching, you know, alternatives on how to find wounded deer because sometimes you just can't track them by eye. And I ran across the dogs, and that's what got me started into the dogs. Now, about the dog, um, you know, what led you to the, the dog you have? Uh, well, Ren, is, uh, he's a Bavarian mountain bloodhound. He's, a, he's actually uh, a specialist, which is uh, bred for the job. Uh, I would say over 95% of the dogs out there are, you know, either pets or, or maybe versatile tracking dogs, but they're not specialists where Ren is actually a specialist bred for the only intent for his breed is to find wounded game. So, you know, this, he's not my first tracking dog. So knowing, uh, that I was going to get another tracking dog, I wanted uh, the best of the best. And that's what Ren is. He's considered a specialist bred specifically to do this. No, hey Dave. Wow. Now, now let me ask you: um, wh- Where did you purchase him? Did you have to go out of state um, to purchase Ren, or did, is he is someone here in the state uh, breeding? He's he's one of three litters of, of a club called the KBGS. He's one of three litters bred in the U.S. since 2009. There's a club in Germany called the ISHV, which recognizes the KBGS. Uh, the clubs uh, they're very very strict on uh, as far as you have to be a member, first of all, in order to get one of these dogs, and they're very strict on who they let in the club, you know, because the dogs, uh, they don't want these dogs just getting into pet hands or puppy peddlers trying to make a buck. They're strictly working dogs only. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So you can get it here in the U.S. It's just very, very restrictive. Yes, sir. Okay. Very restricted. I know one of the other questions I had for you, because I'm a pet owner myself. I have a Labrador Retriever. Um, and she's a real character, too. How about training, Ren? Did, did you have to send uh, Ren away for training, or did, did Ren come no. already ready to go? No, I, I actually got him as a puppy, and I, I trained him myself. I, I trained all my dogs. And if you don't know what you're doing training, you can really set the dog back many years. As far as uh, dogs will usually learn it on their own at three or four years of age, and that's why you hear people say, hey, uh, you know, my dog didn't buckle down and get really good to three or four years of age because, you know, it's, it's an art, you know, skill also as far as training these dogs and getting them ready, getting them right. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, um, when did you start really actually using Ren? Did it take a year or so, or did um, did, did you have to wait for a while for, for Ren to mature a little bit? Uh, I'll say uh, last year when season opened up, he was eight months old, and he found, uh, we found 38 bucks last year wow and almost all of his recoveries were at eight months of age if a couple of them were at nine months wow so, which is uh really that's uh almost unheard of for dogs of that age to buckle down and do as good as he has you know but he he was also a little rough at the beginning it was uh 
and that's where the handler comes in hand, you know, and play. You have to be able to read your dog and know when he's off and pick him up and restart him. So if you don't get that part down right, you're going to create a really bad dog really quick because anytime a dog does something more than four or five times, it becomes a habit. And you don't want a dog to form bad habits. And trashing is a bad habit, and it's hard to break. And that's and that's when the dog, uh, that's when you see the dog's really not maturing to th- you know three or four years of age. Because once you create a bad habit, it's a lot harder to break that than it is you know to to get them right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So that's hmm. very it's very very important to make sure you do not create bad habits from the get go. I, you mentioned that uh, he wasn't your first dog. Uh, I, I'm. I think the answer is probably evident. But did your time up to this point prepare you to do a better job or get him trained right? You learn a lot from from your dogs, and I think that a dog will teach you more than anything. You can get tracking books, and I uh, also uh, I talked and networked with a lot of trackers all over the country, and I asked lots of questions. And just like any job or any training I do, I. I pick what I think will work best and I apply that to it, you know, so I have my own way of training, but you know, there's, there's definitely different ways of training. Some people believe the interdigital plan, uh, in between the hoof is the way to go. I personally don't think that's the way to go. A lot of dogs over in that are not dogs. A lot of, uh, game animal in Africa do not have the interdigital gland and dogs are able to track them down effortlessly. You know, I think they go mostly off the dead skin cells, I believe. So, and that's where, like I said earlier, it's important that you know when your dog is on and off, you know, the track to pick them up and make sure that they're on that particular animal, not let them trash. Interesting. Uh, hey, hey, uh, I got two other questions for you here. First, you mentioned that um, last year Ren had uh, discovered or found 38 bucks last year. How does how is yes. he doing so far this year? We found 60 so far this year. 60? Thir- S- six zero? Yes, sir. Wow. Yep. And uh, 13 non-recoveries, and out of those non-recoveries, see, I, I have this written down here. See, we've seen uh, one was seen alive that we didn't uh, we didn't set eyes on. One was backstrapped that we knew the guy actually seen it the day before, and I thought maybe we could still catch up onto it mm-hmm. and uh, get another shot that we didn't see it. Uh, one of them we got called off, you know, the track from a, a landowner, so. What happens? The landowner seen a stand. They thought it was a hunter stand. Thought he was trespassed on his property. So we got uh, called off that track. Okay. And then we had a, a clean a clean mess where we didn't find any blood. And ground shrinkage one, we jumped up. The guy said it wasn't his deer, but I'm pretty sure it was his deer. And then we had seven jumps that we actually seen the deer that jumped and ran off that were shoulder shot that you can't catch up to. Right. You right. simply just can't catch up to all of them. Wow, that that's amazing. Those sixty. Jeez. That's tremendous. Yeah. Uh, like, you got to be hitting uh, a couple in in one given day, I suppose, to, to get to those numbers. And it's, a, it's yes, it's a it's an eighty two percent recovery rate, and uh, oh, the ger- generally it's like a thirty five forty percent around. But uh, like I said, Ren's a specialist. He's not your average uh, tracking dog, so his numbers are super good. And the ones that we didn't recover, we jumped. I knew we would jump, but it's I, I call those peace of mind tracks. When somebody tells me they shoot it in the shoulder and they have, you know, three or four inches of penetration, two or three, I tell them, like, the chances of recovery are slim to none. But, you know, you know, some people want to, they want to try anyways. So we give those peace of mind tracks. I don't like doing those during the rut, but when we're slow, like the off season, like 
right now, you know, I consider like the off season. I haven't had any tracks in a few days. I would run one of those, but like from November 1st to November 20th, I would, uh, pass on those or try to really talk them out of going after one of those because I know going into it, we're not going to recover that animal. Interesting. Hey, I, I, this is. is this is the other question I had for you, Dave, too. And I know Don and I talked about this. Um, Don, I'm sure you remember this. Have you been uh, asked to help in any other um, finding something, you know, other than a, a deer? You know, how about a bear or anything else? But have you taken Ren out of state to, to try any of that? No, I, I haven't. I've had people call me for uh, for missing people and for cats. Which I tell them it would be a bad idea because if my dog cut up to your cat, he'd probably want to eat it. But <laughs> I, I would love to go after an elk. Uh, one thing that worries me about uh, some of the uh, elk tracks or down south, you have rattlesnakes and stuff. You have to, you know, then you run into that problem. You know, yeah, especially early season when it's warm out. If your dog gets hit in the in the face or the neck, it could potentially kill it. So that's that's always a problem with dogs down south. So, but I would love to go after an elk. I haven't went after an elk or a a bear, but I would love to do that. Yeah, I know they have season uh, for both in Pennsylvania. Um, yes. I, I just wondered if they ever called you for that. So that's interesting. Maybe they will in the future. Yes. Chris's question was related to game, which which we're super interested in. But I was also thinking about what about the police? That have they ever hit you up for for uh, borrowing that skill? For the man tracking part, no. Yeah. They have their own. Uh, they have their own dual purpose dogs. You know, for bite and uh, narcotics that they use, they use the Belgian Malinois and the German Shepherds for that. So they, they haven't. I've tracked for a lot of cops. They're, they're deer, even canine handlers, I've tracked their deer down. But oh, wow. They're not That's... allowed using their own dog or it's not really, <laughs> you know, they don't want to do that because then, you know what I mean, you're introducing other yeah. stuff that might uh, yeah. you know, distract oh, the, dog the dog from doing its job. So mm. they don't do that. Yeah, but as far as tracking the human down, it wouldn't be a problem for my dog to find you. You're not going to get away from him. And mm. if I introduce his, you know, with your shirt to him or whatever, he'll track you down. Wow, that's crazy. Hey, uh, Dave, now, Dave, we, uh, jump to go ahead, Don. You had another question? Yeah, I, I did. Go ahead. Uh, well, you go first, Chris, because maybe yours fits. Uh, Mine has to do with the off season. So okay, okay, oh, go ahead and ask that because uh, go yeah. ahead. Yeah. Well, you'd mentioned, Dave, that you're winding down now. You, you consider this the off-season. Uh, is there anything you do to keep Ren sharp in that off-season? Now, see, a lot of people uh, believe in uh, off-season training. I actually think it's worse for the dog. Uh, my theory on this is uh, I have, like, uh, I've done a lot of research on this, and I've seen where people use the hoof shoes, lay tracks, and – I've seen where uh, studies where people have actually lost the hoofs and the shoes, and the dog still does the track effortlessly with no blood, just tracking the human's skin cells. So I, my thing is on this, I don't want that dog tracking me. I want it to, uh, I don't want that to be a distraction. Like any time a new dog starts off when it's young, it's going to be a little sketchy because it's used to tracking you when you're laying tracks. When you're teaching a dog, you're teaching a dog, uh, you're not teaching the dog actually to track. The dog already instinctively knows how to do that. You're learning how to read your dog. So you're learning when to pick it up and when to restart it. That's crucial. So as far as like all season training, once a dog has it and, and has it down, Pat, I don't go do I don't do any more training at all. They already know their job. So I, I think it's actually bad to do it because then I think you're introducing your skin cells and 
that dog looks for that when it struggles it looks for help and then if it's then it starts training uh tracking the hunter or whoever's been on that path instead and that creates problems so i don't like that i once a dog figures out what the job is and what it needs to do to get the job done it doesn't need training anymore and i see people do that and i just don't think that's good for the dog no that that makes sense to me Uh, yeah you don't want your dog to start uh you know like even on a track if i see the dog struggling if i know there's say the i see sign i never help him out because i never want that dog relying on me for help and, you know, like I said, when, uh, when training these dogs, they do, uh, I've had the same thing happen with, I've used the scent shoes and I've had the, the, the hosts fall out also. That's what made me research it. And the dogs still effortlessly do the track the next day, 24 hours old, you know, at four or five months old. So I knew right then and there that dog wasn't actually tracking that deer hoof because it fell out of the shoe. Yeah, yeah. It was, tra- it was tracking my dad's skin cell. Sure. So, sure. And, and, and like I said, uh, at the beginning of the, year last year when i started using uh wren i noticed that he did beautiful what the hunter tracked and then he would get a little goofy because he was he was relying on that hunter scent he wasn't even tracking the deer scent he was tracking the hunter scent but once he learned his job what scent he needed to track then he was it was game on he was just a machine it's like Hmm. a, a whole different dog and and he he learned that from me picking him up and sitting him on the sign because i would mark it with the gps and if i seen what i thought was him getting off the track, I would set him back on the line. And once he learned it very, uh, he picked it up very quickly, the, there wasn't a problem anymore. But you can't let a dog, like I say, trash. Because if you do, uh, if you let a dog trash, once it, you, a dog does it four or five times, then it becomes a habit. Yeah. It becomes a bad habit, you know, and you don't want that. Wow, that is really interesting. Uh, I'm going to change channels a little bit on you here, Dave. Um, you're located in southwest Ohio, correct? Yes. Okay. And what you mentioned earlier that you have um, all three states, that would be Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana, where you have tracked deer before. Yes. Correct? Now, do you yes. have to have permits from any of the states? I don't know what this deal is here in Ohio here. Um, is there a permit required for you to do this? You have to keep on the leash, but there's no permits. You need to keep the, the dog on the leash, which I use a 35-foot leash. Okay. It's a, a flat piece of braid that goes around the trees real easy. So as far as for permits, no, you don't. Okay. I, I thought there would be some type of uh, permit needed. Okay. Um, yeah, you're just walking a dog. At yeah. But you do, need, no, you do need to have your hunting permit. Okay. Say the hunter uh, carries his crossbow or bow or whatever to finish the deer off. You do need to have your, your hunting because you are, uh, I mean, you're not technically hunting that deer, but you are pursuing it. So you do need to have your hunting license. So okay. I do have, I, I always do get my, uh, my license for that purpose. Okay. You know, if they're going to. If they're going to carry a, a, a you know, legal means to put the de- dispatch the deer if needed. Okay, and of course the hunter, um, who's actually shot the deer originally, has to be, of course, has a license, obviously, and a weapon, yes. weapon to, to when pursuing legal the means. Yeah, legal means during legal hours. Okay, yes, sir. Okay, that that was my next question. So you can't go at night. It's just legal. No. Okay. If if we jump one at night, we come back out and, and recover that deer the next morning. Yes. Okay. Okay. And and now that leads to one of the other questions that um, I had too. What's the longest distance um, Ren has ever tracked a deer? Have you? Do you have any idea? Just curious. Uh, we we did one this year. The way the crow flies, four point two miles. Wow. And that was uh, that was. But that's uh, that's rare because you have to have you know, uh, huge farms, huge huge tracts of land. We were out in Aurora, Indiana, and a guy knew 
everybody out there. So that's, so it's rare, you know, because of property line issues, you know, sure, trespassing sure. and stuff. Yeah. But we've had uh, maybe four long tracks like that. I think the longest is around five and a half miles. And wow. it's not always a straight line because deer are like rabbits. They like to circle back. Yeah. So they'll usually stay on three to four farms, you know. You know, but they will uh, they they will cast that on you to put distance in between you, and I I don't like uh, pursuing them unless you know unless I know that deer could uh, we can get a follow up shot you know and sometimes you just you don't know what you have I mean at a certain point you have to just cut your eyes on that deer and just let it go if you think it's going to survive possibly you know yeah but if it's a if it's a gut shot deer or or something like that and I'm several hours away and there's no chance for me to come back or for them to get help and the deer's not bleeding anymore, then we'll stay on it as long as we have property to do it so we can get a follow-up shot on that deer. Wow, that's crazy. Don, Don, you have any questions? Yeah, I did. Uh, One of the questions we had, Dave, is what should a hunter do or not do, and when should they do it if, if your services were needed? Like, how could a hunter screw it up or or what would be the right thing to do this is what i tell hunters uh when they sh- uh, generally when they need a dog is for you know, you know a certain type of shot like a uh, from the liver back so if you double lung a deer or a hot heart shot a deer you, you don't need me you know so like on a liver shot deer i say give the deer 10 hours i jump a lot of them up at seven and a half eight hours and a stomach shot and a intestinal shot i personally like to give them 24 hours uh the last three out of, I think, five deer that I've tracked that have been shot back from the stomach back have been alive at 24 hours plus. So the best thing they could do if they're not going to use my service or use it is to give that deer time to expire. You know, you have to give the deer the adequate time because if you don't, you're going to jump it. If you jump it after 24 hours, it'll be a, what I consider a soft bump. The deer won't go very far because it's already septic and it's sick and it's not going to go very far. But if you jump it yeah, you know, say one to three hours into the, you know, after shooting the deer, it's going to go very long ways, and then you're going to run into property line issues or, you know, all kind, you know, anything. You could run out in front of the road and get hit by a car. You know, just a number of things could happen with that deer. So, it's most important to give that deer the proper time to expire, for sure, before pursuing it, whether you're going to use a dog or not going to use a dog. Okay. Because I had that happen, a similar situation happened to me this year, um, early in the season. And unfortunately, I I should say fortunately, I think the deer survived. I I shot one in the end of October here, and I had a good blood trail, uh, tracked it over to the neighbor's farm. I was lot on the neighbor's farm, no problem. And here, um, the blood trail just went dry on me, just disappeared. And the deer, it ended up circling back onto my property, just like you said, just like a rabbit. And I and I think I did jump the the group. Of, it was a bunch of does, and I think I I jumped the uh, the does again. And I think I saw her running off, so I think she survived. But um, it's not a good feeling when you make a bad shot or think you made a bad shot there. Um, as far as th- as that goes, Dave, what else should the hunter do? Let's say uh, in a situation you made a bad shot, you know you made a bad shot. Should you recover your arrow and of course back out of there? And then call you, um, mark the blood trail for you or something. Is there something, leave the arrow where the blood trail is or leave the arrow where it is? I mean, what what, did, what do we do next here? So if you know the shot is back for sure, I would recommend, you know, staying in the tree, until, you know, as long as you can and sneak out the opposite way. Just because like a wounded, uh, like a, 
a liver shot buck usually only goes 80 yards or so. And if you're crunching leaves and stuff, you're going to bump that deer hard, you know? So yeah. the longer you can stay in the tree, the better, you know, and back out the opposite way and don't pursue that deer. Definitely for something like that. Now, if you've seen a deer run across the field, you know, a couple hundred yards, yes, it's okay to get your arrow, inspect it, and see what you have. The veins on the arrow tell me a lot more about whether that deer is fatally hit than anything, than the blood on the ground or anything. I'm, I'm pretty good at reading the veins mm-hmm. on the arrow. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely, and if you do pursue the deer, you know, you give it the adequate time. You know, bring you a roll of toll papers, biodegradable, and mark the blood trail. You know, and once you, if you do lose the blood trail, don't grid search if you plan on using a dog. Now, if you don't plan on using a dog, you know, obviously you're going to grid search. But if you plan on using a dog and you know it's a fatal hit and you lose blood, you know, don't trample more than 10 or 15 yards past that last spot of blood. Get on your hands and knees and look, but don't trample the woods because some of these dogs that are, uh, I would say, green dogs, when they struggle for for scent they're going to start tracking you they're going to start tracking the blood on the bottom of your shoes you're, you're creating false trails and you're going to make it really hard for that dog to figure it out yeah or, that, that makes uh, sense a more, a more experienced dog like ren will work through it because he's you know I, mm-hmm. I worked hard on teaching him how to you know how to work through that yeah i've i've seen some of your videos and that's uh, that's an impressive way he works i've <laughs> i've admired that yeah now, Dave, you've uh, you've done a lot of recoveries this year. Do you get to hunt anymore? I do. Uh, right now, I've been really uh, more concerned about getting my son a buck, so I don't hunt as much anymore. I, I like to do the tracking thing. Help. I actually enjoy helping people out, but uh, all the hunting I do now is for my son. Pretty much, just that's it. We get uh, I get out with him, but for myself, not so much anymore. Yeah, it seems like a, it seems like a time of year when you could be super busy, and really the time just doesn't let itself be there. I enjoy uh, tracking them down just as much as, you know, as killing one myself a trophy. It's just, you know, it's just it's very rewarding helping people out and seeing them, you know, get that recovery that they wouldn't get, they wouldn't find. What a tremendous service. Uh, I mean, Chris mentioned it. It's it's just a load of torment when when you can't find one. So that that's uh, bringing a lot of comfort uh, to people. Absolutely, I really I really enjoy it. Dave, talking about some of these deer you recovered, is there is there a couple stories you could share with our listeners? Interesting stories, like you know, what was the biggest buck you ever uh, recovered? Could you can you recall yes, that? Uh, well, the biggest one I've actually recovered. Uh, a guy was looking for his deer and he couldn't find it, and I told him like, hey man, I. Could, uh, he told me he's a giant and that he looked and he couldn't find the deer. And I told him, well, I'm, I'm getting ready to head to Kentucky. So if you want me to come, I need to come now. Cause I usually only, I only commit to one track because when I commit to you, it may take me 10 minutes. It may take me two hours if the deers went you know, a mile. So once I'm committed to you, I, you know, I don't commit to anyone else cause I want to make sure that I put your, when I say a buck on the truck and he finally, you know, made the decision, Hey, come on out. So, and we did, and we recovered a 228-inch monster. The the guy was actually from uh, Michigan, and it was a uh, this deer would never been found. It went a really, a really good, you know, pretty far. It was good ways the deer traveled. And it's just you know, people go in thinking that they're, they're going to find these deer, and that you just if there's no sign, you just, there's just no way of recovering them. Jeez. And the dog, the dog makes it look easy. He tracks the dead skin cells to that deer, whether there's no blood or anything. He just 
it just makes it look effortlessly. You know, it's just, it's just, it's, it's all, I never get tired of watching it. It's awesome seeing these dogs work and what they do. That, that's I mean, That's a giant deer. I mean, seriously, yep. I bet that guy was thrilled. I would be shoot too. Oh, Jeez. he had been ecstatic. Jeez. I've uh, tracked a, I think it was 214 inch one out in Athens. I drove all the way to the other side of the state. They had a, I think it was uh, four guys looking for seven hours, and I, I come out there and tracked it down in about ten minutes. Wow! So it's just, you know, <laughs> yeah, with uh, no blood. They shot this giant drop time buck and tracked up to him to his bed. He was gut shot, and he clawed it up. The a whitetail has a lot of vitamin K, and they clawed up really, really fast. And when they jumped him out of his bed, took another shot out of him and actually hit him in the drop time. Uh, from the bed there was no blood from there and they searched for hours and couldn't find it and that was my older dog that I had uh, she actually passed I called the dog the beast it was a peckles a type of uh, German Dotson and she was really good and she found it like I said in like 10 minutes time and they were just blowed away Jesus. I was concerned going out there because on the way out the wind was just it was going nuts the signs were blowing I thought you know there's no way we're going to be able to do this because the wind's like a very, very bad enemy for scent because it blows it everywhere. It's you know, it's just very hard for a dog to work it out. But it was uh, one of the easiest tracks I've done, That's even with no crazy. signs. The dog just smoked it. Ten, and ten minutes. That's nuts. Ten minutes. Conditions are everything. Uh, if you have like really low humidity days, you can. I see a dog struggle more. But when the humidity's up 74, 75 percent, you know, it's the dog does really well. How, how about so it? How, how about in rainy conditions, Dave? Uh, rain's not really uh, a light rain actually helps out the track okay. I mean it may wash the blood away where you don't see it mm -hmm. but it makes it uh, easier for the dog because it keeps the scent the ground wet it keeps the, uh, the you know in essence it keeps the, the scent fresh because it's wet so even though you don't see it visually it makes it easier for the dog to track now if it's a torrential downpour then you can run into some problems yeah how about a cold track Dave how how cold of a track uh, would you consider uh, tackling? Um, so like how like, many days? Like, uh, like okay, oh, age or like temperature, age-wise? Uh, uh, yeah, like two days. Uh, uh, that depends on the dog. Like I, I networked with a lot of people, and I've seen a lot of dogs struggle this year at five hours when it's warm out and with low humidity where Ren was able to do them effortlessly, you know, 24 hours. So, it, it, you know, these dogs are like uh, I tell people they're like the right sport cars. You know, you can you can you can get a Bugatti or you can have a Chevette. You know, so it depends on you know. All dogs are uh, have decent noses, but some have better noses. So I've done one this year, three days old. I don't like doing them uh, at three days, but you know the guy talked me into it and we did it, and uh, it was an easy recovery, one of my easiest recoveries. So it all depends on the dog. Mm. You know, some dogs are cold nose, some dogs aren't. If you use a, like a terrier, it's not going to have a cold nose. You know, mm. or uh, some of the laces or some of the you know the cur dogs don't have as cold of a nose. Hmm. But they're, but where they, uh, where they're good is they're very smart dogs. A smart dog will learn how to you know, they'll learn how to figure it out. If there is scent, they'll they'll search out and try to find it. Where Ren's a ground and pounder, he's a hound. So a lot of hounds don't like to move lest they have the track you know so they want to they want to hit step for step you know where the deers went they want to smell it there's different styles for all dogs but as far as uh 
coldest track uh, with Ren. I think uh, this year we did one three days. Jeez, yeah, that's pretty good. That yeah, is. I I think you got the Bugatti there. <laughs> yeah, he, he's definitely the Bugatti. <laughs> yeah, I, I going into it uh, when I researched the breed. You know, it's not just the breed. Also, the club dog that I have, they uh, they also vet uh, health. They check for the PRA, which in essence, a dog goes blind at two or three years old if it has if it's carrier of it. Uh, they 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 check the hips, hip dysplasia, and it has to be seizure free. So all this vetting has been going on since 1912 with these dogs, and they have to pass a ridiculous tracking test. So, and, and you know, you just had the the best bred to the best for over 100 years. You know, so it, I knew going into it, getting Ren that he was going to be a a good one, or the chances were going to be very very high. You know, going into it when I picked him up. Yeah, that's that's tremendous. You know, you know, you mentioned uh, uh, earlier in the interview here that networking with other trackers. Um, do, do you meet with the other trackers across the state or in your region um, throughout the year, or do you guys talk? Well, uh, if I can't help somebody out, I'll you know I'll send them their way. You know, I try to send them to people that I know that can get the job done. You know, because you're you know word of mouth. You don't want you know when someone. Uh, you know, they can't find their deer. You know, you send them to somebody where their dog can't find their tail. You know, they're already upset. They can't find their deer. Then the dog goes out there and just, you know, makes a fool of themselves. You know, it doesn't look good. You know, so yeah. it leaves a bad taste in their mouth as far as the experience. And they may never want to get a, another tracking dog again. So I try to set them up with somebody that's uh, that can get the job done. Okay. Like I said, some dogs are better than others. So I, I always... Uh, I always recommend, you know, somebody within a couple of hours that I know that can come out and get the job done. That's good to know. That's good to know. Hey, Don, do you have any questions for Dave? No, I think that covers everything I've had. Um, I've, I, I, I can't be more impressed with your dog, though. That uh, That's impressive. That's just amazing what they can do. I, I still I still can't get over the number sixty deer this year alone. I mean, that's just yes. <laughs> I had no idea that you had that kind of success rate. And eighty two percent that's crazy. Well, let me mention this too. EHD's been very very bad here. So if it wasn't for that, I've only had eight local tracks. I would have well over a hundred. You know, because I, I know I would because I used to get a lot lot more calls. And now I, I can, I'm lucky. I can only take one call a day because I'm traveling you know, two plus hours, hour and a half, two plus hours to do a track. And when I get off work, I only have a, you know, a certain amount of time. I can, sure. I can actually pursue the deer cause I have to come back home and get up early in the morning. This is, I did all this also while working. So wow. full time job. So yeah, I pretty much find a deer every day with my dog, but after the rut, after gun season, they pretty much dry up almost completely. Yeah. So I'm hoping to get a handful more in. My goal was to get a hundred this year, but that would have been easily uh, done if, if it wasn't for EHD, but yeah. our herd is just wiped out here. Yeah, we, we did, uh, Don and I actually heard that, too, that you, the southwest corner of the state really got pounded. We've been, and I'll knock on wood, we have been spared here in northeast corner of the state so far. I, I hope it stays that way. Um, but the, I, I hope that's, so, too. It's yeah. going to be a couple of years before it bounces back. Uh, generally uh, speaking, I would get, you know, 35 plus calls a day and this year i was lucky to get one a day wow just because of the because of the ehd i mean it's, it's really really crushed us you know yeah that's, I, that's I scary we can't i can't travel across the state on a work night if they call me you know six seven o'clock at night I right just can't do it right right 
because I need to get sleep for work. So, but yeah, it's, un- it's unfortunate that the deer herd took a hit. But you know, like I said, with that being said, uh, my uh, recoveries uh, sixty would have been on the low side. We would have really, really, which is still crazy amount of number. You know, yeah, a crazy number of recoveries. I don't know too many dogs that even put those numbers up. No, and I'm doing this with a, I'm doing this with a puppy. Yeah. Yeah, literally. Yeah, a pup, and you're doing it part time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's. Ren, Ren's not even a teenager yet, as far as uh, he's just uh, well, he just turned 18 months old, so he's basically a you know just turning a teenager if he has one in puppy years, you know. Wow. To relation to human years. Jeez. So wow. I figured, yes, I think every seven years, uh, for uh, you know for humans, one year to dog equivalent. So if he was two years, he'd be 14 years old. So he's not even a teenager yet. He's just a phenomenal tracker. Well, that's good. So he hasn't really been, you know, as far as uh, potential, I don't honestly see how he could buckle down more. But, you know, generally speaking, like I said before, dogs don't really even get good until they're, you know, three or four years of age, you know, I mean, really good, you know. So this dog's just a, he's a a phenomenal dog. One more dog question since we're talking about him. Um, how was he with the family? You mentioned you have a son. Do you have um, children? Is he good with the kids? Yes, I, I have a 13-year-old a teenager. He's he's very good. With, he loves to play. He's They're kind of, uh, I would say these dogs are, uh, they're reser- uh, reserved of, of strangers. And he tolerates them, but he doesn't really like uh, strangers, but he doesn't. He doesn't growl or nothing. He just ignores them. Yeah. You know? But as far as family, he loves our family. That's good. That's but, great. Yeah, but they're, uh, as far as uh, other dogs and people, he, he just doesn't want to have any – he doesn't want to – people will say, come here, boy, or he just ignores them. He just, you know, he's, just, <laughs> he's a good dog, but he's a working dog. Yeah. He, he, wants, nothing, he wants nothing to do with uh, with playing with strangers or other dogs. He just he, – he, he comes out, he does his job, and, then, you know, that's he loves doing his job. And we have another dog that uh, it's a Kimmerstock Mountain Cur. He, he loves her. I mean, they're best buddies. But as far as other dogs and people, he's just he's a little reserved with them. Yeah, all business. Not, yeah, he's all business. Not, yeah, but he's yeah. not mean. He's not. He's yeah. not mean. He's just he, he's just strictly. Yeah, you know, he's a, he's a hunting dog. They're not. They're not pets. They're right. He makes a good pet with the family, but they're not. You know. Yeah. They're not just pets that are social with other people and dogs yeah not like my labrador that licks you to death so yep yeah she's friends with everybody <laughs> yeah but doesn't matter who yeah. you are yeah. my little tickle now would uh she would leave uh she would leave with you she loved she she, she loved strangers she didn't like other dogs but she loved strangers and she loved people with the passion but this guy here he's just uh he's he just he just ignores people when people you know can i pet your dog in my shirt they call him over he just he just ignores them that's crazy. So, um, yeah, I tell him, hey, I'm sorry. He's a working dog. He, he wants to come out here and do his job and come back to the family. But he, he absolutely loves me. He follows me everywhere. I can't lose him. <laughs> well, I can sure see how you can get great satisfaction out of that, Dave. Uh, you know, even though you don't get to enjoy the hunting as much as you might like to now, I mean, you've impacted the lives of 60 hunters. That That's, uh, that's tremendous, um, you know, with those recoveries. Well, thank you. Yep. Is there anything else, Dave, that you would like to mention before we let you go? Uh, no, I think we pretty much uh, touched up on everything. You know, was, uh, like you said before, with with the people looking to get a dog, the one thing I would like to mention is during the rut, there there there's only I have a list of trackers. There there's actually another tracker uh, that puts out a list every year, and there's 
some dogs that are good on there and there's some that are not so good. I would uh, recommend people looking at like, uh, you know, their, their dog page or their Facebook page and see, you know, that their recovery, you know, rate and what they've all done, you know, because, and a lot of these dogs do get good once they get some age to them. Sure, if you sure. get a, tra- if you get a track and breed, but, uh, and also, you know, if you, you know, say you, uh, with the, with deer, when you're tracking deer, sometimes, you know, you have to give them the, the earlier I said, you have to give them the right amount of time to die. So, you know, what's bad is, you know, say you do give the deer, you know, 20, 24 hours before you look and then you lose blood. It may be too late to call a tracker because he may be busy by then. So, right. you know, it's, you know, do you call early? You know, I, I, I don't like easy tracks, but sometimes, you know, I've had people say, I tell them, go ahead and look in the morning, you know, and call me if they can't find it. But once I'm booked, like I told you earlier, once I do book with somebody, I don't book again. You know, so right. that part right there sucks because I can't help everybody out. And I would like to help more people out. So, and with coyotes and stuff, you know, you the thing is you can't time the best when they're hit back. You have to give them time. And with, with coyotes everywhere, they, they tend to push the deer really far. Yeah. And if, and if, if they if they stop bleeding, then you're in trouble. You won't find your deer. So I would say a high percentage of those deer go unfound because of that, you know. And it's something that uh, I tell people, like, you know, you know, if, if you want to book me, that's fine. If you don't, that's fine too. But once I do book, then I can't help you out, you know. So yeah. that's that's the only downfall to tracking. There's not enough uh, tracking dogs out there to help everybody else. Yeah. So they might want to consider, you know, booking somebody if it's a mega buck as a reassurance plan if they have a good tracking dog in their area. Because you just can't, like I said, you can't plan their death as far as time. Because if you get on one too early, you'll push it. Yeah, and that, once that makes they do, sense. and once they do, and once they do bed up, they clot up. And if you jump one, then there's no blood trail to follow. So that's why it's important if you don't want to use a dog that you give it the right amount of time. So you do not jump that deer. Yeah, back to getting out of there. Yeah, back out of there as quickly as you can. Yeah. I, I was looking earlier. I think the last four out of seven deer I've tracked were jumped at uh, over 24 hours. So Wow. And and if you do jump one then at 24 hours, it's I call that a soft bump. It won't go very far. So just make sure if you're, you know, if you're a hunter that you give these deer the adequate time to die if you don't plan on using a dog. That way you don't run into a problem of not be able to find a, a you know a handler and a dog to help you out because we can't simply can't help everybody out right S- some of these uh trackers hunt I, I i you know i take time out with my son and i just tell some people I, i'm not helping them that day because i have to uh do the family time the family hunting also with my son so i put him first you know yeah on certain days you know sure when we have time because he has sports and he can only hunt certain days so no we get it uh, you know that's it, man. Yep. Well, Don, do you have anything else for Dave? No, I I think uh, that's covered it. Uh, I'm just super happy to hear that uh, that you're on the job and and uh, providing the service because uh, we know it once in a while it can happen. So it, it's good that our listeners know know that that's a service that exists. Yeah. Yeah, well, great. well, thank you. Yeah, great job, Dave. Really interesting uh, interview. Really, uh, I really didn't know much about this. I've been hunting for years, and, and I hope to God I never need you, but at least I know I, I know where you are, and I have your number now. So. Yep, and if I can't help you out, I'll set you up with somebody that can. Yeah, well, very good, Dave. Yeah. Thank you again for Fantastic. your time. Yeah, thank you again for your time today. No problem. Thank you. Okay. Appreciate it, Dave. Good luck uh, to you and Ren in the future. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Well, it's good talking to you. You too.
Well, Chris, I'm hopeful that uh, that what happened to you uh, doesn't happen to either one of us ever again. But uh, I'm comforted to know that there's a phone number we can call, you know, to to get help if we need it. You know, sometimes sometimes you can do it yourself. I'm a big do it yourselfer, but sometimes you need a specialist. And... Yeah, especially I don't have those skills that that dog has. That's for sure. Um, it's incredible. Um, 60 recoveries this year in an off year and an 82% success. I mean, come on, Don, that's nuts. You know, it's nuts to think, uh, I mean, of all, and he's doing this part time of all the, the human capabilities and outdoor skills you think you might have, you got nothing compared to uh, an animal that has that skill set. No, not like that. That's for sure. No. And it's insane. Geez, the notion that that dog can uh, jump on a trail and stay with it and, and resolve a situation so fast yeah. in, in some cases, yeah, that's something. Yeah, that was a very interesting show. Hope you guys enjoyed it, you know, that listeners enjoyed it. It's something different. So, But it's part of our outdoor world, that's for sure. Yeah. Part it, of it. It's just a part I didn't know existed, and I'm, I'm glad uh, it is because, you know, nobody wants to No to let an animal that you can't find that's right you don't want to waste it that's for sure never so do you have anything else you want to add don no i uh i'm just uh just thinking it's time to turn the calendar page and and get yeah. ready for the next year uh, yeah i think we'll, we'll probably be done talking about hunting for a while yeah probably. well turkey will be on the agenda here um you know heading into the early early spring oh yeah that'll you come, know, come around hunting. before you know it. yeah that's for sure so we hope you folks enjoyed the holiday season with your families. Um, you know, this is their first show in January here, so hopefully you had a great holiday season. Yeah, and don't so. don't forget to get out in the winter in your own 120. Yeah. A lot of nice things to see, and a lot can be learned in the winter. Well, we're getting to one of my favorite seasons, Don. You know what that is, shed hunting season. Shed hunting? And, yeah, uh, that's and, one of my favorites. So And and before that, we're going to be hacking some trees down. Oh, and, yeah, habitat work. Yeah. We already started some of that, so that'll be on some upcoming shows, too. We'll be talking about that. Yeah, we've already got some seeds thrown around that need to winter stratify, and hopefully we'll get a bunch of them to take uh, so you know it's the cold season but we're not done doing stuff so that's right well thanks again folks for listening um and thanks again to our guest dave bell and his dog wren uh, great show and get out in your 120 and do something Thanks for listening to 120 Outdoors and our monthly podcast. Please like, subscribe, and leave us your comments while checking out our Facebook page.